While we remain standing, open your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 14, one of the larger prophetic books of the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 14. If you happen to have a cell phone or an iWatch, please turn them off. Thank you. Isaiah chapter number 14. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Isaiah chapter number 14, starting in verse number 12. I'll read out loud if you'll follow along with me silently. We'll read this together. Starting at verse number 12, Isaiah chapter 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake nations? that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners. Turn to Ezekiel. If you're in Isaiah, go forward. I believe two books. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel chapter number 28. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter number 28. Starting in verse number 12, once again, I'll read out loud. You follow along with me. Ezekiel 28, starting in verse number 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in the Eden of God. Very precious stones was thy covering the satyr, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mount of God, Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. One last part. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. <clears throat> John chapter number 8, verse number 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Father, thank you for the Bible. I ask you to please help us this morning, help me to help your people. 
one of the things that we do so often out of ignorance because I guess we refuse to study or don't know how to study or it doesn't seem that important is to not understand why you say what you say and yet it's in the Bible. Help me this morning, please, to help your people, not for my sake, but for their sake and the gospels. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. May we all give our lives to you as we should. Every day that passes by, more and more should we yield to you because it's right. Thank you for this opportunity. Watch over those that are not here. Bless Shannon and Deidre, what they're going through. Also, Sarah and Jerry with their family and others and others. God, please help us this morning. Strengthen us in thy most holy word, and we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Walk with me, walk with me, lest mine eyes no longer see all the glory, all the story of your love. Talk to me, talk to me like you spoke so tenderly when you talk there when you walk there by the sea let me follow in your footsteps that trod the shore of Galilee. Let me learn to pray like he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Take my hand, take my hand, and teach me, Lord, to understand all my duty, all the beauty of your Talk to me, talk to me, lest mine ears no longer hear all the wonders, all the beauty of your grace. Walk with me, walk with me as you walk so lovingly when you walk there when you talk there by the sea let me follow 
trod the shores of Galilee. Let me learn to pray like he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Take my hand, take my hand, take my hand, take my hand and teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord to, to understand, understand all my duty, duty, all the beauty, beauty of your love. And let me fall. that trod the shores of Take my hand, take my hand, and teach me, Lord, to understand all my duty, all the beauty. Listen very carefully this morning. I'm not going to go back and read everything we just talked about, but go to Ezekiel, please, the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 28. The devil is a real being. He's more than, uh, to be more precise, he, he was an angel, a fallen angel, but an angel nevertheless. He's not a figment of Christians' imaginations. He's not a title we put on bad luck. That is not what this is at all. We come to find out he's not just an evil force. He's not just, you know how that goes. It's much, much more than that. In the background of the devil, just in, in a small portion, in Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15, according to these verses, God created Lucifer, not the devil. He created Lucifer. Understand, Lucifer is not a name for the devil. Lucifer is a name for an archangel that God created and made when he was in heaven. 
God said that he stood before him, talking about God, the throne of God, night and day. That was his position. He was the anointed cherub that covers. I don't fully know, understand what all that means. The Bible says here in Ezekiel that he was full of wisdom, that he was perfect in beauty. He was the musical angel of heaven, his pipes, his tabrets. We come to find out that he also is called the archangel, one of only three mentioned in the Bible. Very powerful angel. Very, very powerful angel. Understand, God did not create the devil. God created a messenger angel, one that he put special things into because God wanted it that way. So we have this servant angel who fell because of his own free will. Your mind can run all kinds of directions from that. That's not what I want to get into. Will it ever happen again? Blah, blah, blah. I, I've thought about that. I've read about that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody really does. I just know that here it did happen. God created. God has a plan. So we'll stick with that. Number two, in Isaiah chapter 14, go back two books through Jeremiah, Isaiah chapter number 14. How is it that he fell? Okay, let me get this right. God created him. He was perfect in beauty, music, the cherub that covered, full of wisdom, was in the mount of God, which means in the kingdom of God. God had all this together. So in Isaiah chapter 14 that we already read, verses 12 through 17, Satan is not cast down to the earth yet. Satan actually right now has access to the heaven where God dwells and to the earth. There's coming a day in Revelation when he's actually going to be cast down completely no access to God and only down to the earth. That's future. But for right now, we come to find out that he's not cast down there yet, so he's in between there. In Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 2, the Bible said he is the prince and power of the air. It's amazing how we accuse God of letting things go and how come it went this way when the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4, he is the God of this world, talking about Satan. Talking about Satan. He's the God of this world. You know who made him that way? We did. Mankind did that. And yet God gets blamed for everything not turning out the way we want it to. In Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, go there very quickly. Everybody likes running to Revelation. We don't know what it means, but we like going there. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 10. The Bible said, I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which did accuse them before God day and night. Go to Job verse number chapter number 1. You know where Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible? Job is the book right before that, chapter number 1. In chapter number 1 in verse number 6, Job chapter number 1, verse number 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. Now the sons of God here are angels. They're talking about angels. Here God refers to them as sons of God. They weren't born into his family. Angels are created beings. So watch what happens here. The Bible said, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before. They're reporting to God. 
what are you doing? How are things going? Uh, your country, your area, tell me what all's going on. They're messengers. And so they're running back and forth to God. And guess who shows up there? And the Bible said Satan came also among them. I brought this out to show you Satan, though he was kicked out of heaven, was not kicked out from access still to heaven. Evidently, when there are times when the other sons of God come before God, he still has access there, even now. But he also has access upon this earth. He's not kicked out down to the earth permanently. He's not kicked out of heaven completely. He still has access to go there, and he still has access to come here. So we find out here in Revelation 12, verse number 10, and Job chapter 1, verse number 6, we see Satan in heaven in the presence of God Almighty. The sons of God came before God, and Satan was there. This is an overall view of Satan's background here, if you would. Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, Ephesians 2, 2, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Revelation 12, 10, and Job, what we just read. I can't go back and read all that. I wish I could to drill it into your head a little bit. So we find out here so far, we know just a little bit about his background. We know a little bit about how that he fell. Now I want to talk to you about his character, just in passing. Since his fall, there's nothing good about him. Nothing. It's amazing. Do you not find it amazing all of the trinkets that places sell for dragons and serpents and devils and demons and all of the places that have poles? I was seeing a book the other day, and uh, this book had a, along the side on, on the, on the uh, margin, it had a pole with a serpent around it. You think man just makes this up? It came out of the Bible. As I said before, people have taken, have taken words out of God's Bible and made songs, made millions of dollars off of God and never even gave him the credit for it. First of all, God wouldn't take the credit because of who sang it. But anyway, so what happens here is since the fall, there's nothing good that you can find in Scripture at all. Nothing, nothing good about Satan in the Bible. Remember, he was Lucifer in heaven. That was his angelic name when he was in heaven. When he was cast out, a lot of other names came with it. But there's nothing good about him. I want you to get the picture before we get into the message. Come to find out he is a tempter. When he says tempt, you'll find the Bible and God tempted him. This is God testing. See, our English word tempt only seems to carry, unless you really studied out, one meaning. But that's not true. In Greek and Hebrew, it carries out other meanings. One is tempted, tested. One is drawn away. So here what we find out, he is a tempter. He tempts people to draw them away into evil and into sin. He possesses and afflicts helpless sinners. This itself would not make me want to be a sinner. I want to be a believer. I don't want this going on in my life. But we go up because it's just a myth. You know, Satan's just a myth. You know that, right? He is the father of all the unsaved. Now, they don't like this, and I don't blame them. You say, your father's the devil. Boy, you want to see somebody hit the roof, they'll do it. I mean, who wants to claim that as their father, right? Everybody has a father. If you're not born into God's family, your father is the devil. I didn't expect that to make you feel good. It is a fact in the Bible. The Bible said he sets traps or snares. The Bible used the word snares to destroy Christians. To destroy Christians. He sets snares to destroy Christians. He runs over the whole earth seeking whom he may, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, I'm talking about the devil, something about his character here. He runs over the whole earth, look at me, seeking. He's looking for someone he can devour, tear apart, eat, 
destroy. That's what he's after. He steals, he, he steals the precious word of God from the tender hearts of young Christians. We learn about this in the parable of the sower in the field. He comes by and before it has a time to root, he causes different things to pull it straight back out again. This is why I almost demand, hey, turn that phone off, pay attention to me up here. Why? You don't want to pay attention, but there may be somebody around you that the devil's trying to snatch away that precious word that just laid upon their heart. And I cannot allow that. As much as I can stop that, I will. So we find out he hinders Christians from trying to obey the word of God. Even sitting here, your mind will wonder. I'll bet you're wondering about something else on this planet. Don't tell me you're wondering about heaven sitting here. You're wondering about Maui, your next vacation, right? The boyfriend or girlfriend, some of you ugly guys wish you had. That's what we do. Our mind just drifts. Boom. Uh, who would want that to happen? The devil uses your flesh against you. He hinders Christians from trying to obey the word of God by raising up, by, 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 by using their own feelings, their own desires, their own wants against them to blind them from following and obeying the Lord. We'll talk about that in a moment. He transforms himself into an angel of light. Now that's really easy for him to do because he was an angel of light at one time. When the devil got kicked out of heaven, God didn't take from him everything he put in him. He actually came down here with a lot of wisdom, light, music, knowing about God, except now he used it all for wrong. So music is a great thing if it's used the way God said. If not, it's a very satanic thing. There is dark light and there's white light. You know, when the world first began, it was in darkness. The Bible said, let the light appear, and it did. Boom, just like that. No sun, no moon, no stars, and yet there was light. Tell your science teacher that, see what that does. He is an imitator. He's an imitator. He's called the wicked one. He's called the Lord of the flies. Why? Yeah, things that are dead, rotten, or stinky. Flies are always around it. And that's what's happening to this world. So we come to find out here with all these things going on, he's called the adversary, he's called the prince of darkness, he's called the servant, but he's also called the father of lies. Yes. Every time somebody lies, you are actually imitating someone. Many of you probably is not your father, but you're acting like him. The devil. The devil. So there is not an ounce of good in him. Down through the century with lies and deceit, he has fought to thwart God's plan. One of the biggest things he tried to stop, he wasn't trying to get Jesus to the cross so he could kill him. That's the last thing the devil wanted because through the death, burial, and resurrection came eternal life for all who would believe. That's how, so he wasn't looking to do it. He's trying to keep him from that. That's why while he was still in Mary's womb, they sought to kill him. That's why he had to go to Egypt at an early age because Herod sought to kill him. That's why every time he turned around, they're trying to stone him, do something to him, do anything to keep him from going to the cross. So the devil wasn't trying to get him there. He's jealous and envious of man, us. Do you know why? Because you see, here was Lucifer and the angels before God Almighty himself. And then God created man. And God said, I will put him below the angels to lift them above. Now, if you just got kicked out of heaven and you have man, I mean, just look at us, what we got to offer. 
And now God's going to put them above you. You wouldn't like it either. So for some reason, the, the, the devil got all upset about that because God replaced their position with us. One day, Satan not only will miss being before God completely, will no longer, but, but, and will no longer be visiting this earth, but we actually be cast into the lake of fire. He won't be walking on the earth. He won't be visiting the earth. He won't be visiting heaven. He's not, he's not going to be here forever. He's got a home. And by the way, Satan doesn't want to go to hell any more than you do. Probably a lot less. He knows it's true. So we go like, ah, the devil's in hell where he lives. No, he does not live there. He started in heaven. He's somewhere between heaven and earth, bouncing back and forth, doing his job. And in the meantime, he doesn't want to go to hell any more than anybody else does. So what we have here so far is we learned just just a little bit, just a little bit about his background. We've learned a little bit about how he fell. We learned a little bit about his character. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter number four. Let's talk about his job. When he's down here on this earth, what is his job? In Second Corinthians chapter four, look if you would please at verse number three and four. Are we there? But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, is that a small g or capital G? Small g, okay, so that's not God, God. That's not Jehovah, God. That's not our God. That's talking about Satan. Hath blinded the what? The minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Number one, his job keep many people from receiving the gospel. This is why I refuse. I, I know it irritates people. I don't like doing it. But when you come in here, I have got to run things. Teenagers will never run this place. Not going to happen. You're not coming in here with your own ideas and deciding to change the... I can't allow that. Why? Because I know that what the devil wants to do, if anybody's sitting in here and they're lost, they're looking for two people to talk all the time. They're looking for some little kid to eat crackers and crinkle paper all the time. Anything to distract the mind. Anything to blind you to the truth that's trying to get into Anything to shut down the light that's trying to come your direction. And I... Because I know this, I cannot allow this. I do not not like you. I do not certainly do not hate you. I cannot allow this. Do you understand? There are eternal souls at stake and the devil's trying his best to blind their minds with the glorious gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that they will not get saved. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid... If it's hid at all, it's hid to them that are lost. Verse 4, in whom the God of this world, this world, who is that? That's Satan. That's Satan. Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That would be lost people. If you're saved, you, to make any of how you're living right now, you get saved, you now have received Jesus Christ as Savior. You cannot be, you cannot be um, possessed by the devil if you're truly saved. People watch way too much charismatic TV and way too many uh, Halloween movies. Okay, you've been possessed. If you're a born again Christian, that's impossible. You can be used of the devil, to whom ye yield your members. To him you are the servants of. 
but you cannot be possessed. Do you know who indwells a born-again Christian? The Holy Spirit of God, God himself inside of you. You think that's some place where Satan wants to come and hang out? Not hardly, okay? So light and darkness cannot dwell together. Satan and God cannot walk along together. We find that out in 2 Corinthians. So watch what happens here is this. The devil knows if he can keep a person blinded to the gospel. We're talking about lost people. If you're here this morning and you're not truly saved, you do not have Jesus Christ as Savior. The devil wants nothing more than to blind your mind to this truth. Watch what he said. He didn't say your ears or your eyes. He said your mind. Your mind. Because the gospel makes sense. If you'll listen to it, if you'll give a good... This is why you ignore the preaching. This is why you don't want to hear the preaching. Because it's trying to get through to your mind to say, this is what you need, here's why you need it, and that's the person you need to go to. So the devil keeps throwing things in your mind to distract you from receiving the gospel. Because he knows once you die, it's too late, you're going to hell. To the same place he's going, but he don't want to be there and you don't want to be there. When a person does this, they can't go to heaven. They'll never be able to be with you. Never. You, you need to stop listening to false doctrine. You're not one day going to go into eternity and God's going to decide whether you're going to heaven. That, there's no Bible for that at all. God's already decided. He put Jesus right here. You either accept him on this side of the grave or not, and that, as soon as you die, is going to decide whether you're going to heaven or hell. You're never going to go to heaven and get kicked out. I don't care. Quit reading that stupid stuff on the internet. I went to hell and God sent me back to hell. You're a liar. You're an absolute liar. There's no way in this world. It is a point when a man wants to die and after that the judgment. You ain't coming back. So what happens here? In Matthew chapter number 25 verse number 40, 41. Depart from me. Jesus talking about the unsaved. You cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God has got a plan. God made a place called hell. It wasn't made for you. Hell was not made for human beings. Hell was made for the devil, prepared for the devil and his angels. See the Bible? See what the Bible says? Prepared for him. But in Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 14, hell hath enlarged her borders. Why would hell have to do that? Make room for you. God already prepared a place for the devil and his angels. Why does hell, why has hell enlarged her borders? Because of all the people who said, I don't think that's true, I don't want to do that, and that the devil has blinded their minds so they do not listen to the glorious gospel, which is Jesus Christ. You will listen to the truth. If you listen to the truth, sinner, if you act upon the truth, sinner, the devil cannot stop you. Amen. He can't stop you. Look, look, if he stop you, he stop everybody. God gave you a will. Amen. Romans chapter number, I think it's six or seven, talks about this. He gave you a will. God made it a law. The devil can't, there's nothing the devil can do about it. But doesn't it seem like you almost can't help yourself at times? But then you're waiting for God to make you be saved and make you do right. That's not going to happen either. God gave you a will. So the devil tries to blind your minds to actually believe you can't come to Jesus. That's a lie. Who's, the, who's a liar and the father of it? That would be Satan. Somebody is lying to you and the father of lies, of all lies, is the devil. 
He's trying to blind your mind into believing, I can't get saved. You don't know what I've done. That's a lie. Jesus died for all sinners. Amen. That means you. He don't know what I did. Jesus knows everything. He died once. Hebrews. He died. Hebrews 9, 27, I think. He died once and for all for all sin. Once and for all for all sin. If he didn't die for your sin, oh, I hate even saying this. He's a liar. Oh, it bothers me even to say that uh, because it's impossible for God to lie. So what happens is if this continues, if you continue to be blinded by the things of the world, that this liar is showing you, one day you'll join him in hell. Now let's just cut to the chase. You just like the truth? I just told it to you. You say, that's kind of harsh. That's reality. I don't know what kind of truth or fantasy people are making up, but this is the truth. So number one, we see what he's doing. He's caught one thing he's doing, keeping people from receiving the gospel. Number two, his job toward those already saved, make them ineffective. Boy, he's doing that. He's doing a good job there. He's doing a real good job of people who say I'm saved and they have no effect on this world whatsoever for the cause of Christ. The devil knows the Bible is God's perfectly preserved word. God said he would preserve his word to all generations. In this world somewhere, there has to be a perfectly preserved every word of God. Now, don't tell me there's 250-some different versions of the Bible. They all say something different, and they're all basically the word of God. That is a lie. However, if I was the devil, that's what I'd do. I'd put so much out there, it'd confuse people. You know what people normally do when they get real confused? Never mind. They do nothing. Same thing with churches. What church is right? Which one should I go to? Why are there so many different churches? If I was the devil, that's exactly what I would do. Man, I would bring out so many churches, people get so dizzy, go, forget it. I don't care anymore. And that's working too because your generation, there are less people that think they need church than ever before. Guess he's doing a pretty good job. I hate to say that, but he is. So we find out here to keep it effective. The devil knows the Bible is God's perfectly preserved word. He knows once a sinner receives Christ that his name is entered into the Lamb's book of life. He is saved forever. That's a long time. That's like always. Like eternal. See how all those words fit together? So what would be his plan? If I'm saved forever... If once I receive Jesus Christ as Savior, I am never in danger of hellfire. I never have to go there. If all of this is really true, then why does he keep bothering me? He can't take me to hell. He can't pull me away from Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter... Okay, uh, real quick. This is not in the notes, but you need to go there. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Always like people say, I don't believe that. I don't believe this. Here's what I believe. But they won't turn in their Bible to find out. Romans chapter number 8. Wouldn't you like to know what can separate you from Christ? Wouldn't that be nice to know? Preacher, what can separate? And that way I know how to avoid that. It's already been answered. Already answered. I'm talking about not church people. I'm talking about saved. Not talking about people who are trying to do good. I'm talking about the saved. I'm not talking about people who say, I just don't believe that way and I'm still good. I'm talking about the saved. Watch what it says here. In verse number 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be? Now, isn't that a good statement? Amen. Look, if God's for me, who can possibly be against me? That's a good question right there. Fill in the blanks. Verse number 32. He that spared not his own son. Now, just stop and think about that. But delivered him up for us all. 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave his son to die for us. Why would he not give us anything and everything we possibly need? I didn't say want. I said need. Next verse, verse 33. <coughs> Excuse me. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Elect is not the Catholic special, super duper, you have to see so many miracles, kiss the Pope's ring. That's not what it's talking about. When the Bible talks about God's elect, he's talking about the saved. They are elect of God. Every time you read about the church or an introduction of a New Testament book, like the book of Corinthians, you'll see that he writes to the elect. And the, the Corinthian people were some of the most carnal people you ever see in the Bible. Watch, it is God that justifieth. God, God justified you. You didn't do this. Somebody else didn't do this. God did that. No, wait a minute. He knew you were a sinner and he still justified you. Watch. Who is he that condemneth? Yeah, it is Christ that died. Yeah, rather, is risen again. It's like a, like a um, statement kind of interjected there. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh it. So get this picture. Jesus died for me. Look up here. I pay a lot for these props. Jesus died for me. Now he's in heaven sitting at the right hand of God Almighty interceding for me because I believed on his son. Now God sent his son. He fulfilled God's will. Now he's at the right hand of the father and now he goes like that. Father, that's one of mine. Oh, okay, son. Okay. Oh, no, he's, I, I know what level he's at. I know what he's working for. I know what he's teaching. Father, that's one of mine. Nothing can separate you. We have an interceder, somewhat like an attorney. Oh, no, I hate to say that. That's almost like cussing. Uh, we, we have somebody who really, really knows us and loves us, and he's sitting right at the right hand of the Father. Why would the Father not freely give us all things? Not because we're that good, but because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Watch what he says here. Uh, where am I at here? There, there we go. Okay, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's what I want to know. By the way, he starts off by saying who, not what. It's always a who. Those of you that are new saved, there is a who trying to separate you from God. Over in the book of Galatians, he said, who hath bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Paul said, who bewitched you? You weren't taught that. Somebody tricked you into believing such a thing. Later on, he also asks again about a who. You're going to find out everybody that leaves church or decides not to get saved, somewhere along the line, there is a who. Talking to you. Changing their mind. This is what's so hard about you having someone here and God wants you here. This person will be played against you. stories. I like stories. Listen and understand. Okay, let me finish up here. 35. Who shall separate us? Look at the list. Look at the list. I know I'm cute. Quit staring at me. Look at the list. Shall tribulation? How about distress? How about persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? He's talking about things that could separate you. What can, Paul's saying, what can separate me? So he's talking about everything you could possibly believe. As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughters. No big deal. It's going to happen. Watch what he happened. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Read it very carefully. Through him that loved us. You're not staying right with God because of your love for him. 
It's because of his love for you you're saved. It's because of his love for you that you are kept. Everything is about Jesus. You accept that. Watch what he says. Through him that loved us. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Well, that about covered everything, didn't it? Oh, no, we're not done. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us. Read it again. Slowly. Watch. From the love of God which is in Christ. You're not mentioned there one time. You're not mentioned about your love or your care or what you're trying to keep or not keep. You are saved eternally and cannot be separated by anything because of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When I receive Christ, I am in the love of God. That does not make me want to go out and shoot up and beat up people and smoke dope. That doesn't make me want to do that at all. Actually, it makes me not want to do it. Are you saved? So... Christ saved us. Why did he do that and then leave us here? Wouldn't the best time to take us to heaven is right after we say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Boom, you're gone. Because you know before you got out of church, you sinned. Yeah, you did. You thought negative. You thought something dirty. You looked at somebody and said, oh, get out of my way. You did something. We, we actually, folks, don't, don't, don't fool me because it, it's not. You don't ever come to the altar as though you really don't do anything wrong anymore. And the young Christian's going, should I go up there? Nobody else goes. For those of you that just came to church and are not quite perfect, we all are. That's why we never go to the altar. Now, that's just stupid even to say that, isn't it? Yeah, you know why? Because it's not true. In Mark chapter 15, verse 16, why did God leave us here? He said, look, I'm sending you forth as sheep among the wolves. That don't sound very good to me. Also, you got the devil as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't like that part. So what does he say? Go ye into all the world and preach the what? Not the Bible, the gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is why God left us here, and that is what the devil has to stop. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll heal people, talk in tongues, and do weird stuff. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. I'm sorry. I misled you there. That is so ridiculous. By the way, if you know anything about a courtroom setup, when they call you in, I'm, I'm going to call Geo in to be a witness for me, and the judge says, uh, tell me what you think of this man. Judge, I've had it very hard ever since I was a little kid. I've tried my best to live right, and the judge keeps looking like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I ask you to be a witness for him. But all he's talking about is himself. When you receive here in the book of Acts, he said you'll be witnesses of me, not of you. Of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You will be witnesses, but this is a real bad world, and it's going to take a lot of courage, and that's where the Holy Ghost of God comes in, his power and his boldness in you. Read the book of Acts. It talks about boldness all the time. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Everything a Christian does in life. This is the main purpose. There's a lot, of, a lot of things we do. There's a lot of things we have to do. But that's the main purpose. It's called spreading. In the, in the old days, they used to have a bag of seed, and it would be right here on their side if they're left or right hand or whatever the case may be. And what they would do, this is the way they spread seed. They didn't have combines and, and seed, seed, whatever they call them. For, for you farmers, you know what I'm talking about. And they would go by, and they would walk the land, and they'd take seed, and they had a rhythm they went by. And this is why when you read the parable about the sower and the field, 
some fell upon stony ground. You know why? They weren't doing this. I don't have time for that. We got acreage we got to cover. So they would walk through and they'd spread seed. And some fell on stony ground. Some fell on the path the guy was walking on. They're never going to grow there. Some fell among weeds. They weren't fully uh, taken out or treated. And therefore the weeds come, it choked the daylights out of them, which is really the Bible talks about is the cares of this world. Right. Work, yes, job, cares of the world just Amen. choke what God wants to put in you. Yes. Ruin your, 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 your influence. Stop you. So what does he say here? Listen. Everything a Christian does is mainly about this purpose. Everything. When a Christian cools off, which is what our church is doing, we've settled. Here is the way we're approaching our life for Christ. I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, uh, Brother Ben has a real uh, nice set of knives. They're like super sharp, right, Ben? I'm looking for an okay out there. There he is. And uh, when you see him using that knife, him being a chef, uh, you ought to see him. There you go. I'm thinking, man, did you see that knife? It cuts, ready, coming and going. That's what the Bible says the Word of God does. Now, and so what happens here during this whole time, the Bible said if the, if the, if the blade be dull, it needs to be, uh, no, let's say. Yeah, if the iron be blunt, it's talking about a sword or something like that, uh, you must put forth more effort. So he talks about, do you know when I say whetting a blade? You know what I'm talking about? There are stones. You put just a little bit of water on there, right? Right? That's what you do. If it gets dull and you have an axe, he works with trees sometimes. And I've had it. You have a dull axe. You're going to beat yourself to death. Now watch. You're sweating good. And everybody's listening. Boom, 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 boom. No trees are falling. You're wearing yourself out. Don't tell me I'm not busy. Boom. Nothing's happening. You're sweating. Everybody thinks you're doing a good day's work. You should have fallen five or six trees by now, but nothing's falling. You know why? You lost your edge. You lost your effectiveness. You're not minding the Lord. We've just kind of cooled off and Christians by the dozens and churches are simply saying, we're not doing anything wrong. When did not doing wrong mean you were doing right? So an absence of wrong is an automatic doing right. That's not true. So watch what happens here. Every Christian, this is what we're supposed to be doing. But the world sees no difference. We are falling in line. The Bible said all that's in the world, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Amen. The more we fall in love and line up with the world, the less effect, and the devil knows this. So he's affecting our minds to affect our work and our life for Christ, and we're not having much of an effect on the, why did Jesus leave us here? To live good life and make good money and live in a good part of town. What? I'm sorry, I don't read that. Now, if that's Bible, I'll preach it. But every person in America, that's our dream. Live in a nice place, make lots of money, and when we get ready to retire, you're going to die. You're not going to spend anything. 
Do you know it's a proven fact? Normally, five years after a person retires, they die. Do you know why? We've lost a purpose to live. We don't work. Everything's taken care of. We don't have to worry. We don't have to trust the Lord. Most retirees stop going to church. Why should you continue to live? So, everything. When we stay, when we stray from God's word, when we drop our standards, when we let sin reign, we all struggle with sin. Look at me. We all struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. As long as you have this sinful flesh and the new man inside, there's always going to be that clash for the spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. That's always going to happen. I'm talking about letting it reign. Let it have its way. Let it do what it wants. You have given into it. The world sees no difference when we act this way. We lose power with God. Favor, if you would. Sin begins to reign. We start acting like Satan's kids out in the world. We dress like they do. We listen to what they do. We talk the way they do. We drink the way they do. We go where they go. We gossip like they do. We whine like they do. We murmur and complain like they do. I'm talking about God's kids. God's kids that God said, I'll give you everything. Come to me and be saved. We did. And now we're acting like we've, we've lost our effectiveness. We just have. Look, this does not draw sinners to Christ. Hey, you're just like me. We wear the same thing. We talk the same way. We go to the same place. We enjoy the same kind of music. Look, there's no difference between us. You want to come to church with me? Why? Why? What's the big deal? I want to add that to my life too. Man, I got enough things to do without just going to church to take up time. I don't go to church to take up time. I don't go to church because it's right. I go to church because it's pleasing to God. I don't have to be forced to do it. Somebody doesn't have to pay me to do it. I come here because I love going to church because God made it for me. We're losing our effectiveness. I got to go. Peter went back fishing. Anything wrong with fishing? Nothing wrong with fishing. It's a good occupation. I guess people who do it, it's a lot of fun. Never taught that. But it's not a priority. But a lot of people made it a priority. Absolute priority. Peter went back fishing. What would have happened on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people got saved had Peter decided to just go back to an honorable profession? Well, you tell me. All of those people who have gotten saved in this church and churches just like this that just decided, I'm going to go back to my old life. I wonder who God had set up for you that you were supposed to win to Christ, that you were supposed to influence on the job. Your other family members who are going to die and go to hell because I can't get in to see your family. God saved you and put you there so that you could talk to them about Jesus. Peter went back fishing. But Peter got right with God. Thank the Lord for that. David fell into sin. King David, you know the story there. The devil had him down for the count. I mean, it was bad. It looked really bad for him. David, testimony was ruined. Kingdom got weak, everything. But in Psalm 51, he got right with God. Church, listen to me. I do not expect the altars to be full this morning because you don't sin. You're not weak in Christ and your faith is very strong. I am mocking right now. I'm mocking. Because that's not true. But we project that 
and yet we're not having the kind of influence we ought to have. David gets right in Psalm 51 with his father. Imagine what would happen had David just ignored it and kept right on going. We find the same thing with Samson, Solomon, John Mark. John Mark, uh, Paul and Barnabas were on a, get this, on a missionary journey. We call it missionary journey. They were out establishing churches, going to new areas, winning people to Christ, doing all these wonderful work. And John Mark, in the middle of a, of a trip, told his uncle Barnabas, I can't take this. I'm going home. I like football. Okay, I like Ohio State football. However, Notre Dame lost. Yay. Uh, they won, but they won against the team I wanted to lose anyway. So good. God answered prayer. No, he didn't. So what happens is this. We come to find out. I don't know why I do that. I lose my train of thought. Oh, football. Okay, you ready? I'm the quarterback. We got a great plan. We can do this. You ready? Everybody online? Great. Everybody gets lined up. Line gets down. Center gets hold of the ball. Everybody's all lined up. I got my, my running back back here. I got my receivers out here. Boy, this is going, this is going to do it. This is going to be a good one. Boy, finally, we're at a play that we all know well this is going to work. Running back stands up. Excuse me. I'm not, I, I, I don't want to play anymore. What? I don't like the plan to begin with. You know something? I'm going someplace where I can be used more. Oh, you want to be the quarterback. So he walks off. Can I tell you something? You can't go on with the play. You've taken somebody that made the whole play work. They all had to work together to make that work. And now somebody just walks. Now they become ineffective and people keep questioning the rest of the team on why they're not very effective. Because your heart's not in it. You just keep walking off every time you turn around like I've got other things to do. And when you come back, you want the team to, yeah, how come they're not winning? Because you're not here. the best I can. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 27. The apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul had a great fear of becoming ineffective. Now he had that fear but evidently a lot of us just don't. The great apostle Paul feared of becoming shipwrecked. A castaway. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 but I keep under my body. He's talking about his sinful nature. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep, who does this? I, it's my decision. I have the power to do it. I have the instructions to do it. God told me to do it. But I have to want to do it. But I keep under my body. He's talking about his sinful nature, his old nature, and bring it into subjection. What's the big deal? Lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. Cast away. It doesn't mean lose your salvation. It means unapproved. It means rejected. It means worthless. It actually means totally lose influence with other people. Why be a Christian if you have no influence with people? Why, why go to church if you have no influence with anybody? Well, because you're supposed to go. Well, you have no influence. Why show up? I've got two people. Excuse me for saying it. One of them was near death. Why are you in church? Well, to put a good showing. Oh, hang that stuff. Man, now you've got a great excuse on why you don't have to be here. Nobody would blame you. Why do people do stuff like that? Influence. Influence. What makes him, 
with his wife lying on her bed trying to overcome a kidney transplant, get a bunch of snacks for kids and drive it across town to Kenny because they have a responsibility. Influence. Influence. Christian, the devil cannot be trusted. The Bible says he throws fiery darts. Those fiery darts is what's depressing you. Those fiery darts is what causes your lust to become inflamed. Fiery darts. The idea is in, in, in old times when the Romans would fight, heathen people would hide in the woods and others would hide in the woods and they would set their fire, their, their, their arrows and, and their catapulted spears, they would set them on fire. Because a lot of times the people would have a shield, but once it stuck, it caught on fire. Fiery darts. We're not talking about fiery darts. We're talking about fiery darts. Spears, arrows. And they would hide. And when you're just walking along, whop! It would not only kill you, but set you on fire. This is the idea that he's talking about right here. So we have to find out the fiery darts are those thoughts that, you ever been praying? I, okay, you're not because you're all good people. You're, you're perfect folks. I've been praying and dirty thoughts enter into my mind. I said, not you, preacher, after all these years. We think my flesh died because I'm old. You think I don't sin because I'm the pastor? You think that nothing tempts me because I'm beyond all that? No, that would be some of you. That's not me. And out of nowhere while I'm praying, dear Lord, I just want you to know I love you. And my mind will drift off to that thought. How many men have approached me and said, Preacher, when will all this stuff stop in my brain? Great answer. As soon as you die. I don't mean crucify the flesh. I mean physically die. I mean body rot in the ground. I mean go to Sheddinger. That's what I'm talking about. I mean it's over with. Because until then, you have an old nature and a new nature, and they are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do what you would. All of these things here, he, he uses our own feelings, our own lust, our own I want to do wrong against us. He sets my own natural flesh, if you would, not my literal flesh, my own sinful nature. He uses the things of the world and says, you're missing out, aren't you? Ooh. Man, did you see her? Wow. Remember when you used to smoke dope? Man, yeah, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Boy, that's too bad. Just every time you turn around, something else. You better be glad there's eternal security or, you go, or you're going to hell. So what happens here is this. Let's start the message. You ready? All that's foundational. Ready? Go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. There's something else that the devil does, and he loves to do it, and he's very good at it. He cannot take you to hell. He cannot. People go to hell because of their decision. They don't go there because of the devil, and they don't go to, to heaven just because there's a God. You have a will. You have to decide. Watch what happens in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10. There's something else he does. The Bible said and calls him the accuser. He accuses the brethren before God night and day. 
What? Satan comes before God. Let me get this right. Let me get this right. Oh, look up here. The saved, those who Jesus died for. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. His blood was shed for us. He died, went into hell, brought those people that were waiting there to be saved out of there, went to the Father, and now he accuses us to God? Is that even possible? Go to Job chapter number 1. You know what Job is? Right before Psalms. Job chapter number 1. Now here's the part that's wrong with us Christians. Okay, I know where he's going. I don't really need to think about this. So I guess God doesn't need to talk to you anymore. He said, preacher, you seem like you're upset with us. No, I am worried by what I see and the response to certain absolute challenges that mean nothing evidently. Job chapter number one, look at verse number six. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in Proverbs. That won't do it, will it? Job chapter number one. Look at verse number six. Now there was a day when the sons of God, remember we already read this, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So now we see what he's doing, right? Walking around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm just running all over the earth, seeing what I can do. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him? By the way, the Lord brought Job's name up. Satan didn't. I tell you why, too. Satan already knew that he couldn't get to Job. And, the, and he even tells the Lord why he can't. Watch what happens here. And, and uh, Verse 8. And the Lord said uh, unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man? Well, that's good. One that feareth God, that's good, and escheweth evil. I mean, he stays away from it. He has nothing to do with anything that's evil. All of this is fantastic, right? Look at the next verse. Then Satan said, unto, doth Job fear God for, not, for nothing? You think he fears you for nothing? You know there are some people that serve the Lord just simply so they don't lose the stuff they've got. We know if we step out of line too much, we'll probably lose the stuff that we have. We're not serving God for God. We're serving God for our stuff. No? Verse 10. Now this is Satan talking back. Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and the substance is increased in the land. He said, I can't get to the guy. Look, you've given him everything. Anything a man could possibly want. The Bible said he's the richest man in the East. There's none like him. One that loves God. I mean, the guy's got it all together. This guy has got it all together. And Satan said, you take stuff from him. You take the stuff you've given to him. He'll curse you to your face. Watch. Verse 11. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath. Not him. The stuff. And he'll curse you to your face. So what do we have here is this. Job in verses number 1 through verse number 12. The accusation came, and here's the accusation. Ready? You've given him so much, like a lot of us. You let me do what I want to with it. Actually, he said, God, you put forth your hand and touch it. He'll curse you to your face. The Lord turned around and he said, you can. See, the devil can't do anything God doesn't want him to do. Now, whether you understand why all this happened or not, that's another matter. 
So what happened was Satan comes down to earth. And you know the story. In one day, all 10 of his adult children died. In one day, his business was ruined. In one day, all of his friends began to accuse him that he had sinned, something he did wrong, or this wouldn't have happened. That's what good Christians do, you know. And sometimes it's true, but not in this case. And then we come to find out all this is going. He lost all of his sheep, his camel, all of his kids, all of his boys, his daughters, everything. Then his wife turns around and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Doesn't that sound like what the devil said? He'll curse you to your faith. So he's going to use your girlfriend. He's going to use your wife, your husband, your children. I don't know. I just don't want to go there anymore. I don't know. And then you decide to back away from God Almighty and your Savior. Job looked at his wife. You say, well, she was going through all this too. She was. But he was spiritual enough to know what was going on. And he said, you talk like a foolish woman. That didn't make things better. It probably made things a whole lot worse. But she didn't save Job. His kids didn't save Job. God saved Job because of Jesus Christ. You are going to find out your allegiances and who you love the most before this life is over. I will, I will guarantee you. You will decide. Something will keep coming up in your life until you finally are presented with, I think I need to turn away and go this way. At that point, you'll know the depth of your Christianity and love for Jesus Christ. Make no doubt about it. It has happened to all kinds of people in here. Satan is accusing Job of serving God because of the stuff God has given. Not because he loves God, but because of the stuff that you've given him. Only because of everything goes his way. But verse 11, put forth now thy hand all that he hath, and he'll curse you to your face. Is the devil telling the truth? Was the devil? Now, see, we know the end of the story. Okay, let's talk about us. You said, preacher, there's no way the devil could tell the truth. He's a liar and the father of it. But we found out in Revelation, he's the accuser of the brethren, night and day. He runs to God. After running over the whole earth, he runs to God and accuses the brethren, born-again Christians. He said, put forth your hand. Is the devil telling the truth? So he goes to, he goes to Job and says what he told God. He'll curse you. You let me take everything from him? He'll, he'll curse you to your name. Gosh, okay, well, let's see. Let's see. I don't think so, but go ahead. By the way, guess what happened? He took everything. His business, his kids, his wife turned against him, friends turned against him, everything. Everything, but hold on, hold on, not his health. Because if you have your health, you have everything. What a crock. And so what happens here is this. Go to chapter number two, verse number one. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves for the Lord and Satan also came, and now, now Satan came back there again. It's time for all the angels to meet with God. They all showed up again. Look at verse number two. And the Lord said unto Satan, now see, he's bringing this up again. From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord from going to and fro over the whole earth and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my, understand what the guy has already been through. You read chapter one and you find, this is, this can't be right. Ten children, isn't that, ten adult kids, isn't that enough? Ten caskets of adult children, isn't that enough? Every building and business he had was destroyed. Everything was stolen, burnt down, fell down, hurricane hit it. Every, I mean, it's a mess. He didn't curse God. 
so Satan and the angels found himself before God, and God said, by the way, uh, how about Job? What's going on there? Watch what happens. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered, on verse 3, had considered, there's none like him in all the earth, a perfect upright man. So he's telling him again, one that feared God and escheweth evil, and oh, still he holdeth fast his integrity. This guy is not changing. I don't care what you do. Okay, that's, that's our determination, right? Yeah, that's right, preacher. I'm never turning away from Jesus. Then, then why did he even try? By the way, he tried that with Jesus too, didn't he, in, in the wilderness? Watch what happens. And still he holdeth his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without a cause, he didn't do anything wrong. And Satan answered, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give in exchange for his, for his life. Put forth now thy hand and touch his bones and flesh and he'll curse you to your face. I had shingles. Um, very painful. Very painful. That went from my waist all the way to the bottom of my foot, in between my toes, at the ends of my toes. From what I understand, it follows a nerve in your body. And sometimes people have had it in their face, can't imagine that. And uh, it went down there and it has done some nerve damage. My foot will probably never recover. And so what happens is, even to this day, it's been like over three years, my foot still at times feels like somebody stuck it with a pin or that stays asleep or it's tingling all the time. Something, something's wrong with it. So what happens in all of this, people for a whole lot less have just given up on the Lord. Well, I prayed and, and I asked God and he didn't answer my prayer. Oh, so you quit on God. Is that what you do? You just walk out on God because he's not a genie in a bottle? Is that what we do? So Job, he said, look, I know for sure you touch a man's health, that'll do it. And God said, okay, you can touch his flesh and his bone, but you cannot take his life. Now, this is all going on in heaven. Job is oblivious. He had no idea this was going on. And one day it starts. They're not just boils. Skin worms gnawing through his flesh into his bones. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I never knew you could get things on the bottom of your feet or the palms of your hand, but I guess you do. I did. And there he said, Remember what Satan's going, trying to do? Get him to curse God. God, how could you? This isn't right. I've served you all these years, and now look what you've done. You've taken things from me. You've broken my heart. My wife has turned against me. I've lost all of my kids. Now look at me. He goes out into an ash heap. Why? I don't know. You figure you want to stay clean in a situation like this. He goes out there and grabs a piece of broken pottery. And starts to scrape his sores, try to get some relief. I don't know if he's digging worms out. I don't know what he was doing. But he's sitting out there all by himself. And the Bible said, now understand, Satan's doing this to him. God said, okay, you think he'll curse me because of all the stuff he's got? All right, let's see. Oh, you think that he will curse me and deny me and walk away just because I allow you to touch his leg? Yes, he will. wonder why God said that. Because it normally works. See, we start accumulating stuff now that we're saved. Oh, we have nice cars, got a nice place to live, and, and we got a nice house, and we got all this nice stuff, and, and then you lose it. You prayed, you didn't get it back. You tried to find a job, there wasn't any. Nobody wants to hire you. Walmart greeter says, sorry, you're too old. What do you do? 
is what I'm facing. So they don't want me as a greeter. I'll offend people for sure. I always like looking at people going, what color is your hair anyway? Okay. Now, so he comes before the Lord. He comes before the Lord, and he lets him do that. Why did he do it? Because most of the time it works. You let somebody suffer physically. That's why I'm so glad you're here this morning. She was on dialysis for like three years, four years. That sounds painful, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Four years, month after month, three times a week, week after week, year after year, not just aching. They had to pull the port out. It got infected. Let's try it again. Let's do it over again. No, there's nothing we can do for you. No, no, you need to come back in, back and forth and back and forth and putting pressure on them. It's not because they are necessarily an integral part of, of, of the great scheme of God. They're God's children. That's what makes them valuable, period. As if, to, as if Satan said, well, you got some people down there at anchor. Oh, yeah, they're praising the Lord. They stand up and shout and scream and amen. You let me touch their flesh. You let me bring them to the end of their own thinking and they don't have an answer. They'll quit on you. Right there they sat. David Chris sitting right back there. See, we kind of forget about him, don't we? For how many years? 14 years. Something entered into his body and nobody can, or they won't tell. What happened? So you think he's just weird. All of a sudden you're going, man, what's this guy's problem? Stay away from him. Is he diseased? What's wrong with him? No, something happened. You know how much church he missed? None. Do you know how he changed training his children? He didn't. See, influence. You were left here to influence other people, even other Christians that are wondering if they can make it or not make it. Look at Job. So we look at Job and we hear, by the way, did Job curse God? No, he did not. He's scraping his sores. He's sitting in an ash heap and he come to the conclusion, God giveth, God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we all amen and shake our head until it's us. Preacher, why is this happening? I don't know if we can go on. Shut up, please. People are watching you. People are listening to you. God's counting on you. God said, you go ahead and try him. He ain't quitting on me. Was the devil telling the truth about Job? He'll curse you to your name. Was he telling the truth? Not in this situation he wasn't. But how about us? How about us? Did he tell the truth about us? I mean, here's this liar. Right? We just told you that's what he does. He's the father of lies. He tells things on the redeemed, on those whom Christ died, on those who shed his, hey, shed his blood for, those who were that had no other place to turn. And Jesus said, come to me, I'll save you. We're talking about those people, the elect of God. That's who we're talking about. He is accusing those who love their Savior, who said, Jesus, if you save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember your intention? Do you remember that? I'll serve you, not just I'll go to church. I'll serve you. What possible truth 
could this liar accuse us of? What? What could it possibly be? In Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, he said night and day he accused the brethren. Night and day. You mean last night he ran to God and accused somebody? Yes. You mean all day yesterday he ran to God and perhaps somebody in here he accused God too? Was he telling the truth when he accused you? Was he telling the truth? Say, oh, preacher, he's a liar. Everything he says is a lie. You mean when Satan run to God and says one of your children that you left heaven for, that you gave your son for, that he gave his life for, that he shed his blood for, was cussing and the devil lied about that or was he telling the truth? Was he telling the truth? Would God have to admit to the devil? That's the truth. Lusting after women? The devil telling the truth? Drinking? Was the devil telling the truth? Drugs, I'm sorry, prescription medication. You can call it what you want to. Watching filth. Letting some boy touch you. Was the devil telling the truth when he accused you before God? When he ran to the Father? Yes, Lord, the devil says. That one really loves you, doesn't he? Yeah, he really loves you. Yep, sure does. He won't even talk to you in prayer. Says he loves you, but he won't even talk to you in prayer. He says he loves you, but he never really reads his Bible, except when he's in trouble. When he's looking for an argument with somebody at work or his family, but he doesn't love you. He doesn't even believe parts of it when he does read it. He won't forgive others. You told him to all the time. He even hates and envies other people. He doesn't care about the church house. He says he loves you, but he doesn't care about the church house like you told them, symbol together. He doesn't even support it because that's his money that he used to brag that God gave him a job. Now all of a sudden it's all your stuff. Did the devil tell the truth? Did the devil tell the truth as he runs to God on this Lord's day? Would the devil be telling the truth if he went to God and said, you take away his job, which is his absolute security, he'll quit on you in a minute. Would the devil be telling the truth? Oh, 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 God, you let him differ with the preacher too many times and he'll walk out and never serve you again. See, some of us, the reason we get along so well is because I really haven't differed with you too much. What are you going to do when I do? When I don't agree with what some of the things you do? What are you going to do then? Did the devil tell the truth? Did you really steal? Seriously? By the way, the devil running to and fro going, got him. Got him? Oh, got her. Got him. And then we come before God. God said, where you been? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I was over there and Mary was doing this. Is that the truth? 
Oh, no, oh, Bob. I just picked a name. Just picked a name. If your name had me, Bob, I apologize. No, I don't apologize. Uh, oh, yeah, you should have seen him staring. Oh, yeah, I caught him. I stood there for a long time and watched him, and he couldn't get his eyes off that woman. Now, I'm preaching to the church down the street because none of this applies to anybody in here, does it? Not a, not a bit. Not a, one thing I'm missing right now belongs to anybody in here. Are you really envious, jealous, mean, unforgiving? The devil will go and accuse you before God. And don't you understand? God can only tell the truth. And if it's true, he'd have to say yes. That is true. To the devil. Are you really guilty of robbing God? You see, when that plate goes by, in your brain, you know what you should have done. Maybe a brand new Christian can't figure it out yet, but I'm not looking at brand new Christians around here. You've been in this church, you know better. You know every excuse you made on why you only have to give $1.87 this week. I don't know how you're surviving. How can you survive? If that's your tithe, you made $10.87 or something like that. How are you making ends meet? You seem to be doing well. You're always bragging about how your job's increasing and how you're getting overtime. And I'm so glad to hear that. And the devil runs to the Lord and says, they don't love you. This much should have been in it. And if he loved you, he should have added to it. But he didn't do that. Is the devil telling the truth? Is the devil telling the truth? You don't pray. You don't keep your vows. You don't read. You're not obeying authority, which God told you to do. God, the devil says, they say they love you and they will never forget what Jesus did for them. But I say they don't love you. They don't even want to be like you anymore. They want to do what they want to do and live the way they want to live and just claim the name Christ. But they don't love you. They don't even care about the very thing that you cared the most about and gave your son for. The lost unsaved you see they're really ashamed of you in public they're ashamed of you in public Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation they're embarrassed of what others may say about them because of you and I can prove it did you hear the devil talking to the Lord they don't carry a Bible they don't witness on their job or at school. You know, just because you're younger and go to school, you're not exempt from this. Right. Yeah, but I'm just a kid. You're saved. You're Jesus' kid. They don't pray over their food at home or out. It embarrasses you when you're with me and I bow my head. Well, let's pray before we eat. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. We have kids in our school. The whole time we're praying, they're doing this. I figured they'd be used to praying by now because they do it at home all the time, right? They never go to their own neighbors, neighbors and witness. Do your neighbors know your Christian? Don't, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm sure they do. No, there's only one way you know for sure they did. Did you go witness to them about Jesus Christ? Why many of them, the devil says, have never told their own friends and family they need to be saved. They don't love you. Is the devil telling the truth? 
You're not a good Christian because you come to church. Did the devil tell the truth on you this week? Did you make the devil out to be a liar or when he went to God, was he telling the truth? Job made him a liar. Paul made him a liar. David eventually made him a liar. How about us? Is the devil telling the truth? Will he break our Savior's heart with such accusations of truth? By our own actions, the devil proves you don't love Jesus. I would ask you to examine yourself in a seriousness. Sit still, sit still. We're not leaving. Sit still, sit still. This doesn't mean anything. When God points something out with truth, whether you're convicted about it or not, truth, Holy Spirit, conscience, example, whatever it is, your response should be, I'm coming to God. I've got to get this right. Not, I'll stay here so nobody will know. You're losing your effectiveness. All of you who never come to this altar, you never really change anything. You're already so good, it makes everybody sick. Nobody lives that way. Look at me. Nobody lives that way. Nobody. Nobody lives so good they have no benefit coming to an altar. So I, why do I have to go up there? First of all, because your pride. Get your pride out of your face and kneel down. You're not kneeling down before me. We have visiting preachers here. You'll see me kneeling down. Well, I, not much anymore, but you'll see me up there with my head bowed. I'm not ashamed of Christ. I'm not ashamed I'm sinful. He said, when you sin, you come to me. Is the devil telling the truth? He's a liar, but when he accuses us, is he telling the truth? Let's pray. Father, help us.